1: Welcome to Mom and Daughter Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, April thirteenth, the Gentle Parenting Edition. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom of three littles: Henry, who's eleven; Oliver, who's eight; and Teddy, who's six. We live in Colorado Springs, Colorado.
2: I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer and contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding parenting column, and I'm mom to Naima, who's ten, and we live in Los Angeles.
3: I'm Zach Rosen. I make another podcast. It's called The Best Advice Show, and I'm dad to Noah, who is five, and Ami, who's two. We live in Detroit.
1: Today on the show, we're going to deep dive into gentle parenting. What does it actually entail? How can we best use it? And what do people get wrong about the parenting approach? To help us, we're going to be joined by Natasha Nelson, who you may know as the Supernova Mama. We're, of course, going to also talk about our weekend parenting. And if you're sticking around for Slate Plus, we're going to play One Gotta Go Parenting Edition. Here's what you'll hear if you have Slate Plus. And I mean, I like peeling the grapes with my
3: teeth.
1: <laughs> I find it a very nice sensory experience.
2: I haven't peeled grapes since I was a kid, but I'll let Flame and Hots go only because I have like no self-control when it comes to them. <laughs> and they're not something that I need to be eating in large amounts anyway, so it would probably be best that if I just didn't have them.
3: Uh, yep, though Noah did just ask for them for her next birthday party
2: not only
1: will you get to hear that fun segment but as a slate plus member you'll get a whole bonus segment every week plus you get to listen to all your favorite slate podcasts ad free it's truly the best way to listen and the best way to support the show you can sign up for slate plus now at slate.com mom and dad plus all right we're going to jump into triumph and fails as soon as we get back from this short break
0: No purchase necessary. we're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have
4: gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation.
0: And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life.
4: And I'm going to share
1: this podcast with everyone I meet.
0: Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.
1: All right, we're back. Jamila, what have you been up to this week?
2: Well, uh, Naima and I went and saw New Edition this weekend.
3: (laughs) How many
1: times is this for her? I saw your Instagram story. I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know this
2: was happening. (laughs) If we count the time that four of them were touring together without the rest of the group, this will be Naima's fourth time seeing New Edition. Wow.
3: What a super fan.
2: This is the first time she didn't get to meet any of them. Like, when we went to the BET Awards, we were, like, invited backstage to an event to meet them. And um, then the next when we went to the first show, I bought meet-and-greet tickets. And then the last time we went, we just ran into their manager in the lot, you know, like, at the venue. And, (laughs) like, she danced for him, and he gave us, like vip access so i warned her i was like naima you've had very charmed experiences with meeting new edition i think (laughs) this is going to be just a regular evening at a concert but it was great and she really enjoyed herself she's still into it you know we had a good time so she's happy i'm happy and i love that it's like still a thing these 55 year old men she loves them (laughs)
3: There was a, re- a really cute video of you panning over to her lip syncing and just yeah. smiling at you. It was so sweet.
2: She uh, was truly in her element.
3: Were there a lot of other young kids there?
2: Uh, I saw one other child. Okay. <laughs> he was a okay. little cool. younger than so nice. her. So I don't That's know. That's really cute. He, yeah. I don't know if he was like just brought there by his parents or if he was a fan himself. But yeah, I awesome. was on the younger side for this audience. <laughs> There are a lot of, you know, older ladies there.
1: That's so lovely. Zach, what have you been up to?
3: I've got a great fail this week. So it starts last week when Ami, we hear the sound from his bedroom, the terrible, anguished throw-up sounds coming from his bedroom. So I go in there, and he's got throw-up just, like, Ugh. all over, like, the side of his hair. And so I throw him in the bath and he's not feeling well clearly has some kind of bug and we bring him into our room half hour later after I've changed the sheets and bathed him of course he throws up again and an hour after that again and it's just it's just a rough night and because of that because he wasn't doing well we kind of regressed on our pacifier weaning which we had begun the week prior doing something that we did with Noah as well when she was an addict a pacifier addict which is, we, we do the wubbinubs, you know, the pacifiers that are attached to yeah. the stuffed animals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Both of my kids just love them so much and they get so disgusting. You can't really wash them very well. Um, and so Ami is to the point where we're able to talk to him and, you know, give him a, an idea that, okay, we're going to start trying to not use the pacifier so much. And the way that we did it is every couple of days we would donate uh, one of his wubbinubs to a squirrel. Who needs it for their home. And mm-hmm. so we put one of the we went out with him and like put it out on the ledge in our backyard. I secretly swiped it, put it in my back pocket, and then we looked down from his bedroom and we're like, oh look, the the the, the pacifier's gone. Must have been taken up to the tree by the mama squirrel, and he felt pretty good about that. So we were able to offload two, maybe even three webinbs. But I didn't dare throw them away because I don't know, I guess. Maybe I was anticipating what ended up happening. Is on the n- the throw up night, I just needed, I just wanted to give him some comfort. So I'm like, "Oh my gosh, Ami, look! I went downstairs and 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 the mama squirrel gave the the up back." <laughs> um, and so I just gave him like, I think two of them back, two of the three back. So we went from him having just one left to now he has three and uh we were to the point also where he wasn't using them in the car but since he was sick last (laughs) week he's regressed to now he's just he's just you know one in each hand one in his mouth and he's just like living his best his best up life um and all the the work we were doing has been basically negated and then this morning he's he's doing much better now um this morning he was like all right i'm about to take my my pacifiers to the car I was like, Ami, no, like, we're not doing that anymore. We talked about it yesterday, too. I'm like, we're not doing it in the car anymore. You can still have it at night. Um, and he was not having it. He was really upset, um, was wailing. And so I put him in the car. He was super upset. And I caved. I didn't give him his webinar, but I was like, here, here, here. Do you want TV? And so I just, like, I think I I needed to hold my ground just a little firmer. I think if I just would have been firm for one minute and put some music on, but I was just like, oh, my poor boy, he doesn't have his wubbinubs. Let me give him something else to comfort him. So now he thinks that he's entitled to TV in the car, which uh, <laughs> I do, do not want to start as a trend. And so we're balancing vices, but I think we're close. It's I have a lot way. of questions
1: about the squirrel. <laughs> okay. I don't judge you at all for giving the fire back. Why Why a squirrel? Why a tree?
3: <laughs> Why? I think, well, we, we his bedroom is right under this big black walnut tree. And I think, we thought that he would find some comfort in the, in the idea. We're not throwing it away. Like, we're giving it to, to a squirrel yeah. who needs it for their, I think maybe we even said for their nest. We're conflating all sorts of, you know, animal <laughs> habitats in our house. We don't know what we're talking about. But, I
1: think squirrels do. They build these nest things. Okay,
3: great. Yeah, so they need a web enough <laughs> for their nest is what we've been telling him.
1: <laughs> I love that instead of just being like, I found a web enough you're like,
2: look brought it back.
3: Well, because the, the I mean, I don't know. Why? Because he won't he be wondering. Well, I thought we gave this to the squirrel. Where did it come from? It, am I giving too but much credit to his two and a half that year old logic?
2: Used it. <laughs> yeah, he's not. San,
3: sanitation is not one of his Hygiene main concerns. Hygiene is not
2: no. on no. his radar if you've yet. Have you seen where that webbing up oh, has gone? God.
3: He doesn't care about sanitation.
2: I love this so much. Yeah, no, that's not a fail at all. I mean, the webbing is there to provide comfort. And there comes a point in which you don't need it anymore. And obviously he just wasn't at that point yet, you know? Yeah.
1: Well, I have a it's it's a parenting win, but not for me, for my for my friend in the midst of my failure, I think. So we Had friends flying in to go skiing, and we met them up in the mountains, and they had kind of a disastrous first day they flew in from Atlanta, and their um, 11-year-old broke his arm on his first ski run of the day. Was in a sling and everything by the time we got up there. So the next day, they still had ski passes, which is, like, expensive, and Jeff was going to ski with them, and Teddy was going to ski with them. So I ended up taking both of their children plus two of my kids and, like, doing a bunch of stuff. We had this great day, actually. We went to, there's a little museum up there that I had never been to, like free community museum, very low expectations. That was awesome. I took them to the Breckenridge Library, which was great. Had all that was nice things to do. Yeah, it Had slides inside and um, scavenger hunts. It was really great. But it was kind of a, the these kids stay up a little bit later than ours. It was, Henry's birthday was the next day. So I would say like the end of Thursday into Friday, Henry just getting less sleep, Uh, Mm Any time we meet up with people who live somewhere else because Henry has this autoimmune pandas thing, he starts to tick more towards flaring just because new biomes, new germs. So by the time it hit his birthday, he was kind of um, like a mess and held it together some but ended up having this huge meltdown like we have not had in a long time Screaming at us. We're in a very small condo. I had this terrible migraine. He comes into the room. He's yelling at me. After all this happened, I, like, kind of come out into the general seating area. And I sit down. And my friend walks over and is like, how is Henry doing? I'm like, oh, he's, I think he's fine. He's going to lay down. And... I sort of wanted to just like end the conversation because some people want to like rehash that like what happened and this and it's like I don't have the energy and she just sat down and said I just wanted to say that you handle like the kids with such grace in this moment and you're so calm like all of these things reflecting back to me that I did not feel like I was in the minute and turned this day that I had felt like was like when I walked back out there I was like I just want to like hang out with everybody for like an hour. And then I'm going to bed. Like this has just been too much of a day. And instead she turned it into this like wonderful moment of another mom, just being like, you're doing this. You're awesome. You're, you know, Henry's so lucky to have you as a mom, like all of these great things um, that just really made my day so much better. So Catherine, you're an awesome friend.
3: I think we need people close in our lives to tell us what they're seeing because it's so easy for us to forget all the progress we've made. In those moments, it's kind of impossible for us to even see it because we're just in it. So shout out, Catherine.
1: I know, so great. Well, on that note, we're going to take another quick break and we'll see you back here for our listener question.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.
1: All right, so we wanted to dedicate some time to talking about gentle parenting. It's a fairly popular parenting philosophy that aims to raise happy, confident, and independent children. But recently, we've been getting a lot of questions about gentle parenting and positive parenting, which is why we wanted to bring in someone who is an expert in all of the things and can help us sort through what that approach entails and how to effectively use it. Welcome to the show, Natasha. Hi, everyone. So, Natasha, listeners may know you as Supernova Mama, but for those unfamiliar, could you tell us a little about who you are and what you do?
4: Absolutely. So, I am Natasha Nelson. I'm a certified positive discipline educator. I'm certified to teach parents in their homes, uh, teachers in the classroom, and early childhood educators in anywhere uh, young children, four and under, are facilitated, cared for, or taught. Um, I am also autistic myself, and I have two autistic children, Uh, so I tend to focus on helping parents and educators who work with autistic children specifically in how to incorporate positive discipline and conscious parenting or educating in their fields.
1: Before we get to our listener question, we have had a lot of questions about gentle parenting, and we're hoping you could give us a quick crash course.
4: Absolutely. So there are different ways to look at it. Unfortunately, that's just how the world works, right? So some people call it gentle parenting. Some people call it conscious parenting, positive parenting. And then I am very much based in positive discipline, which is based off Adlerian theory. Now, why that's important is because some of these have criteria and rules and and specifications that they follow. And others are kind of just what your heart feels. (laughs) And so that's where the the miscommunication and the confusion comes from. Because if there's someone who says, I'm a gentle parent, and that just means that I'm gentle with my children. And then you have someone else who's like, okay, but what do I do when my child is throwing toys at me and I need to get them in the car? I don't have time to be gentle. (laughs) And so- There's people who want balance and they still want to be loving and respectful and empathetic of their children, but they want to be able to still parent in the world we live in. And then there's people who have a lot of privilege to just say, forget all the rules. If my child is a sentient being, if they want to choose to Mm. brush their teeth, they can choose to, and if they don't, they don't. And so that's where that spectrum lies in. And so where I lie in is positive discipline, and it does have a criteria, and I can share that with you. So the first is that, is it respectful? But that's not just to the child. Is it also respectful to you and yeah. your household and culture? So is it respectful to everyone? The next one is going to be, does it make that child feel a sense of belonging and significance in that household? Does your child know that they're a part of your family? Do they feel like they're a part of that home? Is that their home too? or Is that your home that they're mm-hmm. living
0: in? So Mm -hmm.
4: they feel a sense of belonging and significance in that household, in your family. The next criteria is going to be, is it effective long-term? A lot of times we as parents do a lot of things (laughs) to just get them to be quiet or to just get them to go sit down somewhere, but it's not really teaching effective long-term skills or ideas that you would want them to hold as an adult. Or even as a teen, uh, is just effective for that short term to get them to stop. And then they're going to continue the next day or the next five minutes, depending on the child and the issue. So is it effective long term? The next one is, does it teach your child to understand and identify how capable they are? A lot of times we're moving and busting in this world. And so yeah. a lot of stuff for children that they could do themselves. Um, and we do, so instead of getting them a step stool and allowing them to go through the bathroom routine on their own, we're brushing their teeth, you know, we're putting the lotion on their body. We're combing their hair when those are things that they could slowly learn themselves. Uh, and so one of the philosophies is don't do anything for them that they can do for themselves. Um, if they need help, Mm. find a way to support them, find out the why or how they can do it. So that they can feel how capable they are and build that confidence and capability and independence. And then the last one is: is it teaching the life skills and characteristics that you would want your child to hold as an adult? So whatever discipline method you're using, that's the criteria that it that we want mm. it to fall under. Uh, that's the impediment of positive discipline. Now, what isn't positive discipline? I try to use nonviolent language, so I say we don't encourage. We don't encourage permissiveness. Uh, So a lot of, okay, fine, just here, I'll give you the ice cream and just stop crying. (laughs) We don't encourage rewards for things that, like we said, we want them to be capable. We want So if they're put on their own shoes, we don't want you to give them a reward for putting on their own shoes. That's something that they're supposed to be doing. If they're doing outstanding exemplary things, absolutely. Uh, But we don't encourage rewards for everyday things. We don't encourage shaming, blaming, guilting, pain, those type of uh, discipline methods. We do not encourage rescuing and fixing everything. So you tell them, hey, don't take your bike down to the park because, you know, we've been hearing some things about bikes getting stolen and they really want to ride their bike and they take their bike down to that park and it's stolen. We don't encourage you to buy them a new bike. We encourage you to help them to deal with the disappointment of losing that bike. And maybe you maybe Christmas, maybe they have something to look forward to birthday, but we don't go out the next day or the next week and get them a new bike. You got to learn the consequences of your actions. Um, and then lastly, we do not, we do not, we do not encourage for parents to guilt, shame, blame, and pain themselves when they make mistakes, because your children see that. Uh, mm. the same. So if you're telling them, it's okay to make mistakes, but every time you make a mistake, you're beating mm. yourself up or you're just not allowing yourself to make mistakes. What you're saying doesn't match what you're doing.
3: You, Natasha, get Overview of the Year Award <laughs> for that. That was <laughs> okay. so helpful.
2: Very.
1: All right. So with our overview in mind, we are going to move on to our listener question. But, Natasha, we're really going to defer to you on okay. this. Okay. Yes. All right. So I'm going to give it a quick read. Dear Mom and dad are Fighting, I'm a regular listener and a working mom of four-year-old twin boys. They're creative, sensitive, strong-willed, and curious, and I love being their mom. We love going on family road trips, out for pancakes, and to museums together. However, I'm seriously struggling with guilt over the whole gentle parenting thing. I fundamentally agree that acknowledging a child's feelings is key to helping them understand themselves and modeling empathy, but I also believe my kids are now old enough to learn that their words and actions have consequences. When one smacks the other or tells their dad they hate him, yes, they're still in a very mom-preferring crew, I tell them to check on the person they've hurt and apologize. If they suddenly decide they hate the pants they're wearing when we're leaving for school, I tell them I fully understand they feel that way, but we have to get out the door, even if it results in me carrying a kicking and screaming child into the car. I always acknowledge their feelings or help them name their feelings. You're feeling mad right now. But it usually does nothing to stop the behavior. When they throw food or refuse to pick up their toys, I try to talk to them calmly and give a few chances. But if nothing happens after the third chance, TV time is taken away. And yes, I've offered toy rewards for things like sleep training, potty training, or sticking with an activity. I also raise my voice often, at least once a day. I recall hearing an episode where you discussed a tantrum over the wrong lunchbox and how Zach had a long conversation with his child about the lunchbox before eventually making it to school. I applaud his patience, but I also feel confused. Don't other parents have to get their kids to school by a specific time? I truly wish I had the time to sit down and discuss my child's feelings over shoes or pants as we are leaving in the morning, but doing so would make us all late. Which brings me to my question. Is everything I'm doing a complete no-no? I'm by nature a fairly patient person, but when my kids make me mad, I tell them so. I say, stop right this second, or I'm very mad right now. I explain to them why I'm mad and I apologize if I yell, but I also think teaching boundaries sometimes means showing our kids that behavior affects others too. What bothers me about gentle parenting is that the parent is expected to remain endlessly cool and collected. The child is the only focus of an interaction involving two people, and if we divert from modeling endless patience, we are told we're messing it all up and passing on our own millennial traumas to the next generation. How should a parent find balance in this culture of parent shaming? Thanks in advance, calling Bull on Gentle Parenting. All right, Natasha. I think there's a lot here. That's a
3: great question.
4: I call bull on gentle parenting. Uh, <laughs> I'm not the I'm not the best person here. Uh, uh, it's why you don't hear me say I am a gentle parent. It's why you hear me mm-hmm. say I practice positive discipline. Mm. I do feel like gentle parenting is very. Um, uh, everything has the the overtones of white supremacy capitalism you know those type of things and so it's one of these you have to be perfect things Mm. and i'm not raising perfect children i'm i have a list of of life skills and characteristics that i want my children to hold that i hope to instill in them as adults and that's what i'm raising for not for perfection um and so The first thing I would tell you is, is that perhaps you aren't a gentle parent. Perhaps you're a positive parent or a conscious parent. um, And maybe you should throw gentle parenting out the window. No. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, The second thing I would say is, even if you want to identify as a gentle parent, um, gentle people have to have boundaries. Uh, Gentle people live in a world where you get consequences for your actions. Gentle people... Uh, People who are loving and empathetic and caring, the reason you're loving and empathetic and caring is because you respect the boundaries of other people, which means that those boundaries have to be enforced. And the only way, uh, the main way, not the only, the main way that your child will be able to see that is by you modeling and simplifying that. So if your child is seeing you letting yourself be run over, not having any boundaries, uh, doing whatever they say, guess what they think of the rest of the world is going to do. Uh, and so you are the first model of of boundaries, of consent, of of there being consequences. Absolutely. But that's a positive discipline that Larry uh, theory. That's not necessarily gentle parenting. But let's get into some of the other things. Timed and firm at the same time. I, when I was talking about the criteria for positive parenting, that it had to be respectful to the child and you and your household. So sometimes you are going to have limits and boundaries that, but here's the thing, your child is important and, and they do, have to should have a word. So why not sit down and talk about those rules and boundaries, have those be specified. So in this household, how about we pick the clothes that we're going to wear for tomorrow, the night before, and if you don't like what you're what you picked the night before, you have until this time of this time to change your mind and what after this time that's it and we're wearing whatever we're wearing to school right so having some limits and boundaries on choice uh because they are still children and you are guiding and nurturing them they're still learning the world they're still exploring and you as the parent the guide uh that has had all of this experience you're helping them but you're still allowing them to be a person and have autonomy and choice but you're also teaching them the limits and boundaries and consequences of the world because the world does have those things. Uh I also say that positive discipline is not just about what you do in the moment. Uh so we're not looking at just how do I deal with this tantrum? We're looking at how do I mitigate these tantrums. How, not just looking at how do I stop yelling? We're looking at how do I mitigate my yelling. So Things like having a routine in place so that your children know what's coming up next. Um, and so there's not this whole back and forth constantly because you're letting them be sentient beings with ideas and respect and you don't have a routine. You're just the wild, wild west over there. People <laughs> 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 are crazy. They'll ask no all for this Yeah. <laughs> so true <laughs> so having routines in place that they can count on and that they know are gonna having happen having having limits and boundaries that you've already talked about with the child and consequences what should we do if you don't if you don't like what you wore and you just picked it last night and we agree what should happen and this you'll be surprised at how intelligent children are they'll be like Well, I guess I just have to wear it. Yeah. And you're allowed to be upset. And I'm allowed to tear you to the car. And you're allowed to be sad. But I am going to ask you, what can we do to make you feel better instead of just screaming and yelling? Because that's not helpful. You want to play some rock music and headbang? Let's headbang on the way to
3: (laughs) I just want to make sure that I am representing myself accurately to our listeners. (laughs) (laughs) The lunchbox incident. I just wanted to circle back. The lunchbox incident. I don't even remember that. Um, I'm glad that I was patient in the moment. But so there are two points to be made here. One, my oldest kid is in pre-K. And a while ago, I realized it doesn't matter if you're late to pre-K. So at this point, I don't give a shit if we're late. So that helps me. Um, And I think as we get older, that's going to become more of an issue that I'm going to have to deal with. And secondly, there have been plenty of times when my kids were younger and when my youngest, now I still do it, when he isn't getting ready in the morning. I'll throw him in his car seat and put uh, the seatbelt on him as if it's um, a straitjacket. So, so I am patient sometimes, far from all the time. Just so you know, listener.
1: And this was too, this was one of your triumphs too. You were holding this up as a moment right. of hey, I hey, I did this right.
4: Sure. And see, that's kind of what happens. A lot of times, we as gentle parent coaches or educators, a lot of times we're holding up the the good. And so people aren't seeing the bad. And so the connotation becomes there is no bad. And I noticed that very early. So if you go on my page, you see a whole bunch of bad. You see me messing up all the time. (laughs) You see my kids getting me together. You see us crying together. You see me yelling and then feeling awful about it and apologizing. uh, Because I noticed that every other account is just all good and very and beautiful. And so then people think they can't do it. Um, and they think it's not possible. And so I said, OK, I'll, sure, I'll be the I'll be the the guy who shows you all the bad. I'll be the bad guy. No problem. <laughs> and so that's what I do.
2: <laughs> I love that about following you, Natasha. I love that you show your family realistically. You know, it's not always here's a win. Here's a triumph. Here's what worked, you know, I think for the person who wrote this letter, they need to disengage from some of the content that they're taking in because if they're feeling, mm-hmm. you know, this culture of parent shaming, quote unquote, like I don't get parent like I don't experience much parent shaming, you know, and I think part of that is because I'm not putting myself in spaces where, I mean don't get me wrong, there are people, you know, I I something someone could say something to me in the street, it just doesn't happen, but I'm not saying I'm immune to it, but I think that like A lot of people feel shamed by the messages in gentle parenting content because it's always the wins, as Natasha was saying, you know, it's always when things are going well. So it looks like, oh, these people are really succeeding at this thing. They're doing it so well. And I, you know, like my parenting just doesn't measure up to that. So you feel shamed and you feel, you know in you know insecure or frustrated or just disgusted that you know th- these people are promoting something that's not coming to you as easily and yeah you know um i think you need to look away from some of that follow natasha like yeah, definitely follow, natasha. <laughs> follow <laughs> natasha
4: and i think it's also important to follow people who are more in your your demographic class wise privilege wise i think that's kind of important too um, Because I, I noticed when I was looking for people to follow, everybody had beautiful homes and cresting mm-hmm. this and that. And we are a barely out of working class, low middle class family doing this with two autistic children. And I was like, nobody showing the messy kitchen that needs <laughs> to be remodeled and <laughs> none of that. And so I was like, well, you know, I guess I'll be that guy, too.
1: i think a lot of times in parenting our tools which you talked about at top are like in the moment like this is a tool i'm going to use right now to resolve this but the type of parenting we're talking about the results are intended to be like when they reach adulthood that each day we are making these little things um And I think when you think about it that way, it seems more palatable. Like in this interaction, we learn this tiny piece and our celebrations are when we see our kids enact those strategies on their own. And they may do one of those strategies. Maybe this is just my experience. They may do one of those strategies surrounded by a bunch of other things we need to fix.
4: (laughs) Yep, (laughs) absolutely. And I think also adding into that, I think this is where my autism comes into play. I'm not even going to lie. If I know something is right and something is wrong in my head, then I can fix on to that. And so for me, because I know what I'm doing is going to help my children, I can get tunnel vision and completely focus people out. So I've had a tantrum at a park and I've just sat right on down with my children at the park and completely helped my daughter yeah. tantrum. And then I look up and I realize the whole park's looking at us. And I didn't even huh. those people at all. <laughs> At the time, it's just focusing completely on the child and my other child who's probably bobbing somewhere and, <laughs> and fixing the tantrum. Um, and I don't even pay attention to the people until we're in a more calming place. And then I'm like, oh God, all these eyes. <laughs> and so I I would tell you, I don't tell you to be more autistic and have tunnel vision, but I will tell you that a lot hmm. of our socialization is on being perfect outside of the yeah. parenting. A lot of our, and so I have two philosophies that I say all the time to my clients and to my followers, and that is misbehavior is communicating a met need. So, and that's for all people, big time yes. children, but for all people, if people are acting out, they are communicating some, either a power issue or an attention issue or a validation of feeling issue or a lack of capability issue in them personally, right? Right. Um, or sensory issue, or an executive functioning issue, or communication issue. Misbehavior is communicating unmet needs, and mistakes are learning opportunities. For some reason, we as people, period, no matter what culture, have been taught that mistakes are the end of the world, and you're not allowed to make any mistakes, but mistakes are literally how we learn. Our experiences are like, that's how we learn. I remember I was a I was a secretary for the district superintendent of all European schools, military schools. And I sent out my first email and I did principal with the E instead of <laughs> an A. <laughs> and I was so embarrassed. I could not believe I did that. I was just like, I'm going to get fired. What am I doing? It was my first day. Nervous. Anyway. And my, the uh, vice uh, vice superintendent laughed, and she said, "I bet you won't ever do that again." And she was <laughs> not wrong. I never did it again. I was so careful to make sure that I never did that again. And so, mistakes are learning opportunities. It, but we we hold on to it, and then because we hold on to it and think we're supposed to be perfect, instead of just admitting that it's a mistake, taking responsibility, and looking at how to go forward, we'll lie we'll we'll deny we'll make excuses <laughs> we'll blame others so true. We'll, we'll just completely disassociate pretend it didn't happen just to avoid a mistake but it's okay to make mistakes
1: we are so grateful you could join us but where can people find
4: you absolutely so people can let me see how you want me so, if you want to just hear about parenting, you can follow me on IG and Facebook.
3: That's at Supernova.
4: Supernova Mama, Mama absolutely. Mm-hmm. All everything is Supernova Mama. Um, if you want a full, multifaceted Renaissance woman who talks about everything and anything, but also parenting, you can follow me on Twitter at Supernova Mama. <laughs> um, and then you, and if you're wanting to get some of my services, such as my specific uh, workshop. Uh, for autistic parenting and and incorporating positive discipline into parenting with children who are neurodivergent or my eight-week course that fully lays the foundation for you to figure out how positive discipline works in your household um, then you can go to supernova mama.com and all of my information and workshops and products are there
1: well, Calling Bull on Gentle Parenting, thank you for writing in. Hopefully, some of our advice helped. And for listeners out there, if you've ever experienced a similar parenting challenge, how did you handle it? We would love to hear your advice and questions. Please reach out to us at at slate.com or leave us a voicemail at 646-357-9318. And that's it for our show. If you liked what you heard today, please subscribe to the show and give us a rating and review, or better yet, tell a friend about us. That helps us expand our lovely little community. This episode of Mom and Dad are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson and Maura Curry. Alicia Montgomery is VP of Slate Audio. For Zach Rosen and Jamila Lemieux, I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. Thanks for listening.